Hi everyone, I'm Catherine and welcome to the second series of our Quadrant podcast. As you know, last series we focused on transport, so this series we'll be moving on to smart and we'll be exploring smart and sustainable areas in the UK. We're kicking off Series 2 today talking to Karen Mitchell. She's the CEO of Cumbria Action for Sustainability. We'll be discussing the organisation's mission, the prospect of a zero carbon Cumbria and how technology will play a role in this. So thank you so much for joining me today, Karen. How are you doing? It's good to see you, Catherine. Thank you. No, thank you for joining. So I just first wanted to get going by talking about CAFs more generally. Um, I was wondering if you could tell me a bit more about your vision and how you hope to make Cumbria a more environmentally friendly place. Sure. Um, So Cumbria Action for Sustainability is a charity and our vision is to achieve a zero carbon Cumbria. And the way we go about doing that is to really promote and facilitate um, low carbon living which is good for the environment, which is good economically and which is good socially. So um, it's all about the kind of co-benefits from reducing carbon emissions. And we do lots of practical projects. So we probably run around 20 projects a year, ranging um, from all sorts of lovely things on the ground, working with individuals, communities, businesses, local authorities. And I'll just, I'd just like to give you a kind of flavour of the kinds of projects we do. So at the moment, we've got um, and have been for some time now doing quite a lot of work around the energy efficiency of buildings. So we have a really great project called Coal to Cozy Homes, where we are working in particular with people at risk of fuel poverty and tackling what we have a lot of in Cumbria, which is those buildings that are traditionally built, built of stone. They're actually really quite hard to heat. So they're expensive to heat. They're often quite damp and drafty. Um, So we work with people who are on low incomes or vulnerable in some way to improve their living conditions. So we're improving the energy efficiency of their homes, which makes them just a lot cheaper to heat and more comfortable to live in. And we're actually now moving into a version of that, which is um, a sort of paid for service for those people who are who have the funding and are able to do a deep retrofit of their home to improve energy efficiency. So we would start with the home energy audit um, and then work with them through the whole process of uh, commissioning the installation, you know, because there's a lot of technical knowledge that householders may not feel comfortable, confident that they know. So we will help them through that process and also work to ensure installers in Cumbria have got the skills and understand that there is demand there and are prepared to invest in doing more of this kind of deep retrofit type installation. Other things that we do, we're we're just coming to the end now of a a project we've run for a couple of years, looking at scaling up on-street charging infrastructure for electric vehicles. That's been a big partnership project. We're working with Charge My Street on that. And our role there has been to work with communities and engage them to figure out where would be a good place for charging infrastructure that would benefit a whole community. So it's not about sort of individuals, private individuals benefiting, benefiting, it's for it's for whole community benefit. We also do um, something called carbon literacy training. So a big part of what we do is about raising awareness and understanding of climate change and um the kinds of solutions that are already available and the kinds of behaviour changes that individuals and organisations can make. So we take people through workshops and and training programmes so that they can ask all those questions that people sometimes feel a bit shy of asking. You know, we can bust some of the myths about climate change. 
and lead people through to thinking about their own lives and what they can do differently. And and we're finding huge growth and interest in, in that training. Actually, we, we're doing that with quite a lot of the local authorities in Cumbria and other organisations are really keen to um, help their staff to understand, you know, what's happening. We've also done recently some research on the potential for green jobs in Cumbria. So what kind of scale of jobs uh, could be available if, for example, we maximise the opportunity for renewable energy generation in Cumbria if we were doing more buildings retrofit. So that's not just domestic buildings, but also commercial buildings. If we were more sustainable in our transport, um, if we were recycling waste. And that that work has really kind of kicked off a conversation in Cumbria about, about that transition from the high carbon to low carbon economy and the opportunities that there might be. We also do quite a lot of work with with whole communities. So, for example, for the last few years now, we've been working specifically with the community in Ambleside, which is a beautiful little tourist town in um, in the heart of the Lake District. And a, the community there are very, very keen on reducing the carbon footprint of the town. Um, so we've been working with that group to support them on that journey, to help them figure out what needs to be done. They wanted to understand what the potential was for generation of, of solar, energy from solar, so we've worked with them to figure that out for the town. And I think we, we came up, we concluded that if you put solar panels on all the appropriate roofs in Ambleside, you could generate 60 percent of the domestic energy used in the town. So now we're moving into the ne- next step with them and have developed or made available on our website carbon footprint tools for businesses and residents in Ambleside. Well, anybody can use them, actually, but we're rolling them out specifically in Ambleside and looking at how to then move into installing PV on a large scale in the town. So I could go on, actually. (laughs) (laughs) No, No, it all sounds great. I have had a look and there's so many projects that you're doing and I want to talk a bit more about the houses so you're saying the Mm. low carbon cozy houses so you've got the people who can't afford it and the people that do afford it how long do you think that'll take until you'll be able to roll that out across the whole of the area? Oh that's a really good question I mean housing is a really um, significant part of carbon emissions in Cumbria and you know if you look sort of 15 years ahead something like 90% of the housing stock in 15 years time is are, are properties that are standing now so there's there's often a lot of attention put on new development but that's just a, a very small part of the picture for housing in Cumbria and the the added challenge here is just the nature of the housing you know the stone built homes I mean I'm I'm in a stone built home and I'm you know I'm wearing a scarf and I'm a bit chilly you know and it just goes to show how difficult these homes are to retrofit so we we absolutely need to tackle it but it is it is a big, big scale problem. So we hope that within two years, that pilot sort of project I mentioned of, of providing a paid for service for those people who have got slightly deeper pockets and could do a deep retrofit will be up and running and growing. So um, it's difficult to say at this stage, just, you know, how long it will take before we've you know, secured the depth of retrofit that needs to happen to a significant proportion of the housing stock you'll have to come back to me to talk to me about that in probably about five years time to see how we're going no definitely it'd be great to catch up and find out how far you've come from this point and I suppose it's so difficult retrofitting is such a a timely and at times complicated thing to do and it's so it's it must be 
quite a large challenge. It's not to say we're ignoring the new build, because obviously that that is important to get that right. And, you know, the fear is that the, the sort of new build that is going up now, you know, is going to be what we have to retrofit in, in 10 years time anyway. So why don't we get it right the first time around? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because you don't, also don't want some of these, some older houses are so beautiful as well. You don't want to disrupt that, but you obviously want to make them as sustainable and as beneficial for the homeowner as possible. There's a, another um, initiative in Cumbria, which is a really crucial one on our journey to zero carbon. Um, it's called the Zero Carbon Cumbria Partnership, which Cumbria Action for Sustainability and Cumbria County Council, we jointly co-chair this group, which has grown over the last uh, year or so and now involves about 70 plus of, of organisations in Cumbria. So that includes the local authorities, uh, Environment Agency, Natural England, Forestry Commission, the National Health Service and community sustainability groups. You know, it's, it's all the people that you need in the room, really, to be making the kinds of decisions on how we how we get to zero carbon in the various different sectors. And on behalf of that partnership, Cumbria Action for Sustainability, uh, CAFs for short, um, we secured 2.5 million from the National Lottery just recently, which will enable us to develop that partnership, to support it, and it will enable the delivery of a whole host of community-led projects that are all about helping people on that journey of understanding climate change, understanding the actions that they can take in their own lives, and and changing things, you know, and building that kind of sense of a movement towards zero carbon. So um, going beyond the kind of usual suspects, going beyond the people who are already concerned about the climate crisis to reach people in different ways, you know. So so part of that big five year programme will involve things like repair cafes to try and get over that sort of idea of built in obsolescence and encourage people to, you know, don't chuck it away, reuse it, save your money, save the energy and the carbon in the in the creation of that product. There will also be projects on local food growing because we have a agriculture sector that's dominated by livestock, dairy and sheep farming in Cumbria. And the food project is all about just experimenting with farmers who are interested in putting a little bit of their land into growing fruit and vegetables and cereals so that we have more choice for local supply of those kinds of foods. So we're less dependent on the kind of national food chains. And I, I think that's something that certainly people were increasingly interested in during the first lockdown when suddenly that's that sense of a risk to supermarket food supplies was very much in people's minds and they were looking for alternative locally supplied food. And so we're kind of experimenting around that with this project and and this whole idea of, you know, what would constitute a low carbon meal? You know, if you're going out of an evening, how do you assess the carbon footprint of your food and helping restaurants and other businesses that are interested in that to communicate uh, that kind of information to their customers? And there's a whole host of other other projects that that 2.5 million will be funding over the next five years. No, that does sound really great. Do you know that there is a restaurant in Cumbria that you go to and they have the... um, the carbon emissions of each meal so when you buy the food 
you can see there how much carbon was produced from like producing that meal which I think is really great it kind of gives people that accountability if they want it which I think is always a really good thing because some people who aren't as knowledgeable about the climate crisis wouldn't even probably think about food and how that actually does contribute so I think it's great that you've got things that will give people kind of accountability. There's a lot more innovation and there's a lot more particularly technological innovation people it's almost like they've come out of the pandemic people want to start a new chapter and want to try new things so um is it something that as a charity with the projects you encourage um just like how important is it to kind of seeing through the vision of that zero carbon cumbria yeah i think it's inevitably important i think the i guess from our perspective our priority at the moment is about trying to ensure that the technology that's already available and proven is rolled out as far as possible. I think we still have a, have a job of work to do there. You know, I mentioned renewable energy generation. We've got all of these assets. We're not yet optimising them. You know, there's a lot of work that's already been done on, on proving technology and, you know, things like... Um, smart energy management, all of that stuff that's already there. It's trying to drag that into Cumbria and and get that fully operational because because with that stuff that's already out there and already established, we we know what that could give us in terms of reducing carbon emissions. So it's really about focusing on what the barriers might be to the adoption of the existing technology. And yeah, great, if there's new stuff coming along, will be scanning and trying to pick up pick that up and looking for sources of funding that enable us to bring that as quickly as we can to Cumbria. I think I think there's a bit of a caveat around that which is just confidence that businesses in particular need to have around technology in order to to want to adopt it because we've had quite a lot of stop start stuff recently, you know, direction of travel like the green home grant scheme sounded great, has been an absolute disaster, and there's now the government's now pulled the plug on it. Um, and for Cumbria, when you tried to access the Green Home Grant Scheme, it was almost impossible because there were so few installers registered because Cumbria has a lot of very skilled installers, but they're very small businesses. And for them, going through all the paperwork of accreditation and trust marking and getting on the government you know, website was never going to happen. So there's something about making sure that there's a clear policy and there's a clear kind of support mechanism and there's some longevity around that so that businesses feel able to invest in the creation of the technology in the first place, but most importantly, in the adoption of it, because often these things do require a bit of capital outlay. And what they need to be confident about is that it's proven technology and and this is, you know, it's got all the right policies behind it. Uh, I think, you know, for example, with hydrogen, um, there's a lot of people sort of thinking, well, what do we do? Do we just, you know, do we wait? Do we go for it? Is it going to be green hydrogen? Um, is it going to work for heating homes? What are the alternatives? And I think that the difficulty is if that becomes paralyzing. So what we really need is some very clear kind of policy direction that, you know, nationally that says, right, you know, we're, we're going for this and here's the investment and here's the direction of travel. I 
have to ask and I do apologize if this puts you on the spot a bit but I was just wondering if there's anything happening in the next few years that's going to be really boosting the area if there's anything any projects coming up or if there's or just your own personal vision for the next five years if you could share that with us today Oh, that's an interesting question. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a big vision, isn't it? A zero carbon Cumbria. And I think I think it's it's reminding people they've had a sort of glimpse of how good it can be in a world where it's not dominated by fossil fuels, particularly the the experience that we've had of of no cars on the roads and particularly in, you know, those places where roads are fairly narrow and there's just no space for pedestrians what have you and and being able to cycle with a sense of safety so it's I guess it's just keeping that feeling alive and building on that to ensure people understand that climate change is it is an emergency it's a crisis in the in the same way the pandemic was it's it's not it's not as visible at this stage but it will become so in the not too distant future but we can tackle it. We know how to do it. There's lots of tried and tested solutions, technology. So it's now we need to move into to action. And the co-benefits, the benefits of, of doing this, the benefits of reducing carbon are just are just legion, you know, in terms of some of the things I've already mentioned, you know, non-congested roads, healthier people who can get around more cheaply, more livable homes, local food, you know, Carbon offsetting inevitably will be necessary through more more trees, native forest, better health for peatlands. You know, there's just a whole host of benefits from tackling carbon emissions. And I think that's what I really want us to enable people to hold on to. They've had a little sense of it maybe with the pandemic and it can be bigger and better than that going forward. No, definitely. Thank you for that. But I think we'll leave it there for today. It was really great to hear from you and I hope you enjoyed being a guest on this series. So thank you so much for joining us. But no, that's it for today, guys. I really hope you enjoyed it. Again, thank you so much, Karen. And the second episode of the podcast will be out next week. So keep an eye out on LinkedIn and Twitter. See who will be joining Floyd. Our Twitter is at Quadrant Group and we will release sneak peeks on there. So keep your eyes peeled for that. If any of you are interested, I did actually do an article with CAFs a few months ago about sustainable tourism. So if you want to read that in a little bit more detail, you can get that on the Quadrant Smart website. But till then, guys, stay safe and see you next time. Mm